May 8, 2021. It's the for Pedro Show. Thank you.
Saturday. Started off the show with So Up, John Coltrane with Miles Davis. Then we had so- Sweet Cobra with Repo. And you can hear some breathing because I'm not man alone. <laughs> Brother Matt. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Pedro. <laughs> We're still in quite quarantino mode, but those... Engineers in Estonia with their Skype inventions making it possible for me to be talking with Timothy Remus. Yes, sir. And Thank you're you. Talking to me from Chicago? Uh, well, technically from Niles. It's like uh, the San Pedro of Illinois. Okay. Except uh, completely inland, and uh, basically every serial killer in history could be linked back to Niles, Illinois. So I don't know if, if Pedro can boast something like that, a stat like that. But, but yeah, we're right outside Chicago here in Niles. Yeah, whoa. John Wayne <laughs> Gacy is the guy I know from Chicago that got into that. Yeah, his, uh, his mom had an apartment in uh, Niles. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like that Kevin Bacon game, like seven degrees of separation. Like you could link every, literally every serial killer back to Niles, Illinois in like one step. Yeah, there's show me this uh, single he had of a band, the mentally ill or something. Uh-huh. A picture of him dressed as a clown shaking Rosalind Carter's hand. Yeah, I mean, like he he was a he was he was a prolific killer and a prolific man of the people Ooh. as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna... <laughs> Some dark shit. Okay, okay. Yeah, let's, you, let's every get... once in a while, like I, I I had a house in in this in this area and. Every once in a while, someone would would pull up and ask me, "Hey, where's the Gacy house?" You know, <laughs> and there's all this, there's all this crazy. I got shit a tiny story. I knew an A and R man 
who yeah. sent him his picture and he made a paint and put him of him and then him in the corner of Pogo with with the the, with the fucking vampire teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't get involved with that. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, your music uh, journey. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Timothy, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Sure. Um, I'd have to say I had an uncle who uh, was a big kind of like folky, you know, hitchhiker dude. And he would play a lot of like Cat Stevens and Lightfoot and, um, you know, uh, Towns and, and every, you know, every, every holiday, uh, he was like the youngest, um, sibling of my mother's who was like the, the matriarch oldest sibling of the family. So we kind of had the responsible, uh, holiday household where like everyone kind of ended up for the free meal. And, uh, he'd always, my uncle Lori would always be playing those tunes, like sitting on the couch and, and killing them, like killing Steve Cat Stevens songs. And, uh, um, you know, and I had some other family that were, that were musical. Uh, I grew up on like, as far as like, you know, recorded music, um, Donovan and, you know, obviously Beatles, uh, some animals. And then I had an older brother who had a really wild, eclectic musical taste, everything from like Dokken to like Gary Newman, and everything in between, uh, so kind of kind of like a weird clusterfuck of 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 different like uh, sonic roads meeting or whatever. Now, your uncle did he bring his own guitar with their instruments in the pad where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. So we always had my mom had this nice Gibson uh, acoustic. It wasn't like a hummingbird or anything, but it was like you know better than like a student guitar. Um, we played violin every all, my me and my two siblings played violin uh soup from a super young age so we always had violins ukulele uh and then a piano um so he actually i think usually just played my mom's guitar uh and you know my mom my mom wasn't a big player but she like knew uh, knew enough chords to be the accompaniment or to like you know she she knew enough on the piano that she could like check our violin tuning and uh, but she was like a, a great like lover of music and like really liked to champion uh, uh, it in other people, just not so much in herself. But, you know, she was always on the like production end of of making sure the, the gig was happening in the house. <laughs> so now was the violin. It was I'm, I'm assuming, which is dangerous. Sorry. No, it was a lesson thing. But was it like home lesson or was it part of school thing? No, so we did uh we did like the Suzuki thing. We started we all started around age three and uh the best part about it was I got pulled out of school uh about an hour or two every week to go get this lesson away from school. And that also usually meant I could get like McDonald's in the front end of that or the back end of that or something like you know, like some kind of fast food with my mom before or after the lesson, which was awesome. So like as a kid that did not want to play violin by any means, I was like, well, I get to be not in school and I might get McDonald's. And, uh, that was pretty much, I'd, I'd be lying if I, if I said that wasn't enough for me to keep, keep at it, you know? But, uh, my mom was a, was a freak, man. She, she woke me up before school every day and made me practice in my whitey tighties. And, uh, um, that was, I'm glad she did it now. You know, back then I was like, fuck this. I want to sleep or eat pancakes. But, you know, now I'm like, damn, I'm glad that woman did that. Now you learned to read? 
Uh, well, no, I kind of I kind of faked my way through that because I had an older brother, uh, so he was already playing all these tunes before I ever had to try to play them myself. So, and I had a pretty decent ear, so I could kind of like look at the page and act like I knew how to read, but not. I didn't actually ever fully learn it um, because of that. So I kind of just cheated my way through the the reading process of it all. Um, again, you know, just it's just the way it, it was. Like uh, every every song I ever learned from Twinkle Twinkle to like whatever little smaller concertos I had already heard five million times from my brother practicing. So um, as my ear developed, I, I was able to to, to fake my way through. Uh, <laughs> having to learn how to read music. Well, at the end of the day, Timothy, it's sound, right? Yeah. We don't I mean, know how we don't know how you got there. We don't know if you faked or you were for real. I mean, right? Pay yeah, no attention to these, that man behind the curtain, I think, from the Wizard of Oz. There's also accepting like what your skills are and what side of the brain is stronger in in how you approach it, you know? And it's like there's been times in my life where I have try to take a step back and like kind of relearn some of those fundamental things. Um, and, and with a lot of like, you know, put a lot of energy and effort into it and it just, that shit just doesn't stick with me. Uh, and I, so there's just times where I'm like, well, this is the, this is the player that I am. Like I, you know, I can't, I couldn't show up for a gig and sight read at speed, but it's all you know, right, I can do other, right. I, I can do other things better. It's than, all right. It's all right, can, man. Yeah, I'm, yeah, ju I'm just know. curious because every, like you are saying, all the roads lead up to now and everybody has their own journey. What was right, the first right. record you bought with your own money? Um, probably I bought a, I, pro I bought a black flag tape. I bought the wasted again tape. Yeah. I and either what, bought what that. The, and what was the first gig that you went and saw? Um, I think the the biggest the like real real gig would have been the the fam, uh, Violent Femmes at the Metro. And what about and, yeah? And, but it's across the street from uh, Wrigley. Yeah, yeah, Played yeah. Played yeah. there many times. Joe Shanahan, the boss there. Uh, yeah. In the you know we're talking some years ago. <laughs> yeah, I painted I painted one of his apartments. All right, ago. he was. <laughs> you know what? That man was always bitching to me. Always really, you know. He's one He's of the cool guys guy, that, though, yeah, yeah that taught, because, right, there's this cliche about the promoter's always the enemy. Bullshit. If a good one, yeah, you work for an asshole once, but, man, that cat's got to keep a scene going when you're there oh. once a year, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, yeah, was, he definitely and, is, and here's uh, is a huge saw, part of Chicago music. Here's another you know? thing I learned. You get yeah. a kink in your neck looking down at people or looking up to people. Straight, <laughs> right. right. You look straight ahead and healthier. <laughs> Look, I want to play Wet Brain. Okay.
Thank you.
stones stand between me and the vertical drop to my left. My legs shake but do not buckle as I stare down into the fields that unroll like a patchwork quilt. A few months ago, my balance would have faltered, my nerves collapsed as I gazed down at the flight patterns of birds. However, now I pause, let the wind blow upon my face, let the tears come. The dragon sleeps beneath me as my poles guide me across its limestone scales. A grass wave, forever on the verge of breaking. This creature is not a thing to be conquered, but adorned by small footprints, imprinting tiny patterns over its back. Slowness is key. There is no shame in this. No shame in tiptoeing across skyline, balancing my way across the landscape. I was not born acrobat, nor tightrope walker, nor climber. Yet here I am, forever disproving my own theories, creating new myths. The dragon will remain in slumber long after I am gone. And there will be others, so many others that think they too cannot withstand this climb and like me, will fear to slip upon the descent. They will also learn how to control their pulse, discover that they are part of the view. Take your time, my friend says. So I grasp it, hold it close to my chest, as the two of us rise and fall, like a breath.
Wafra Pedro show that chunk of music started with Sweet Cobra doing Wet Brain. And uh, God, I think it was the singer man for uh, Carnage Asada who used that as slang for being kind of alcoholic. Yeah, it's like a oh, pretty, it's okay. actually like kind of an offensive term about Pejorative. like, you know, it's almost like when you, when you like punch drunk, it's like the alcoholic version of being punch drunk where you've like kind of lost a lot of your capacities based on <laughs> fully existing on a uh, vodka and like not even the good vodka. Um, but, uh, but ironically, the song has nothing really to do with that. No, at all. no, <laughs> it's no, just no. like a total, like working a lot we're, of power we're defi- in the title, right? A lot of power. Yeah. Then we we're definitely the-, the band that just has like working titles that stick and they usually don't <laughs> relate to the, to the actual lyrical content or whatever. So and then we had the cutthroat brothers where they asked me to play some bass. It's called the King is dead. Uh-huh. And did the cover pours after that from Italy. I got. I was asked to play bass on that song called "Transparent Man." You know, trading files. The, the internet's not all bad. You can spread yeah. bullshit and lies, or you can trade files and do collabs. Right, right, man. Yeah. You know? uh, here's a whole album I made with a cat near you in Iowa City, across the border. Yeah. What's it? Quad Cities, right? You guys are close to Iowa. Yeah, yep, yeah. Right? Yep. And I think Cheap Trick Cats are from one of those. They're from. Um... Uh, Ro- not Rockford. They're from Aurora or Rockford. Got to okay. probably if one of someone hears me say that, I'll get killed. Yeah, but me uh, too, me too. So we're gonna. Be yeah, but like it. they're in. Yeah, <laughs> shit. So this is I Sam Rockford with Rockford. SLW. Yeah, we, we mean no disrespect. SLWCC Watt is a whole album we did. Just you know, he brought me songs and listened to them and play bass to them. That's kind yeah. of how you prove yours. You know, bass has got trippy politics. You look good making other cats look good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's righteous. No facts. And then his buddy from Dubuque, a little north of Iowa City, Bob Buckle Jr., Loving Cup. Thomas Prentin from D.C., Modern Artist, John Wayne. I think that was actually a SoCal project, but it was an album called Text Funeral, and this is the title song. Slang from Hokkaido over in Japan with Human Air. The big town, Sapporo. And then Sophie Sparam and Christopher Gregory, uh, Derby, England, right by Nottingham. Uh, the dragon's back finally. Sweet Cobra. Bring them the water. Okay, Timothy, what about after school? Not graduate, but during school, but afternoon. The basement mm-hmm. band, the garage band, the bedroom band. Did you do that? Yeah, of course. Um we did. We had this like goofy band, really young. Well, well, how'd um, you get on the bass? I gotta ask you that. Well, the bass for me is like, like uh, I, 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 Sweet Cobra started with me writing the first record, kind of mostly all the way through, and then like corralling dudes, you know, like convincing dudes to play in a band with me. And I was known in Chicago as a drummer, not well known, but like that was my thing. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not going to be the drummer in this band. I want to be the front man. And so you have the, 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 you know, the added difficulties of convincing, you know, people to trust you. Ah, uh, uh, you know you what? Know. I got the timeline fucked up. Huh, Timothy? Yeah. The first transition is violin to drums. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, tell me, tell me about that. So we, we don't fuck well, up the listeners and their t- comprehension of your journey through oh, music. Oh, fair, fair. Yeah. Um, 
Sure. I had an awesome comp. I had an awesome uh, switch over. It was like an earned. It was like a validation of like effort and work ethic from going from playing violin and there was a crossover period, you know, in my like, like, uh, 10, 11, 12 years old where I finally got my hands on a decent kit and I was coming home from school and practicing every day for hours and hours. Um, up until the point where, you know, the, my grandma would flip the lights on and off in the basement to tell me it was dinner time or whatever, like really committed to it. And eventually what, what, my parents yeah, but, were like, okay, what about okay, that? You don't what have to. made, what brought on the change? Oh, you said that you finally got a good kit, but what was the first um, instant that I don't know, you man. wanted it to was, start I just, I can't, Yeah, I can't really remember a time not wanting to play drums. My brother oh, made me a kit oh, okay, out of okay, okay. Baskin Robbins tubs, you know, with like sure. contact paper. Like I always was the, <laughs> was always trying to make it happen. And, uh, and once I got okay. once I got a decent kit, it was more like a parallel universe to the violin. You were doing both at the same time. Totally, and but the one the drums were not being like necessarily championed by my folks. They yeah, were like, right, "Cool, right, you, right. this is like a hobby, but the violin is like the real okay, thing." Okay, okay, I like understand. Your resume, you know. So you had like a, you had a you had a dangling dilemma. Yeah, right, right. Dangling which, duality. Yeah, which at that time, whatever. I guess I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. But I was, I was like, I was, I did, I was happy and proud when my folks were like, hey, look, you clearly are like committed to this whole drumming thing, you know, whatever this bullshit is. So, you know, you don't have, you don't have to play violin anymore because you're practicing like three hours a day. Well, I, I will say though, violin is music and music is music. Oh, right? It's, it's so, fucking totally I mean, badass. I, I, and my, I'm my, so glad my, Here's, it was here's there. a fundamental philosophy of me. Whenever you play, you're investing and the next time you play, whatever exactly. you're doing, whatever you're doing. It's all about shops and fucking like, yeah. you know, like it all feeds the, the same animal. Yeah. No matter if you're covering a fucking Bing Crosby song, you I know, or, 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 or the tool, the instrument. Yeah. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Why can't yeah, drummers man. get songwriting credit? You know, this is a big problem with Chico Hamilton in the 60s. Drummers can't write uh -huh. songs. Why? Because the notes, what, they don't last long enough? Oops. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely, like, strongly disagree with that. I mean, one of my favorite bands right now is definitely, like, in my mind, kind of like a drummer-written band. It's this band called uh, Facts. That's um, uh, kind of like a band that came out of the – from that band Disappears. And and it's dude Noah who plays drums. And you can tell that the, the guitar player is leaning back and going, hey, man, this is – like, I don't know if, like, Noah knows he's writing the songs, but he's, like, writing the songs. And it's, like, the maturity of the guitar player letting him do it that makes it such a special yeah, thing. Or it's, like, a combination of the maturity of all the players. But, like, you can just – you're, like, this is fully being, like, cultivated by the drums. And, and, and it is – it would definitely have to have an equal, if not stronger, credit uh, – um, on the on the liner notes as the writer, if it were to be that way, you know, it's like later, pretty special. Timothy, later, can you flow me links to that so I can check it out? So, Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. so you say you get a better kit and you start playing with cats like rock and roll, right? Yeah, um, yeah, playing along to the you know to the Hitachi record player, any records I could get my hands on, uh, and then I had a, my neighbor next door. His dad was like a former rock and roller. He still had his like Vox phantom guitar and we'd plug that thing in and and just kind of 
do whatever we could do. And then, uh, you know, I think a lot of times a drummer ends up being where the base camp is for rehearsals. <laughs> and I think with my, with my family is, is they were just happy to know where the fuck I was. Yeah. And, yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. we'll, we'll endure this shit if, like, no, that's, we know that's this No, that's totally this why dude's... D. Boone wanted me to make a band with D. Boone. Yeah. It was like Econo Child Care. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, my grandma used to joke about she, she just turned her ear, her uh, her hearing aids down, and she could still hear it, but she at least she knew where I was, and she wasn't, like, worried that I was getting arrested or, or fucking breaking windows or something, you know? Now, do this, and, too, uh, for this duet you had. Did you guys ever do any gigs or was it just practice band? Yeah, you know, we had like the neighborhood kids come downstairs and, and listen to us play like a Aerosmith cover or some stupid shit like that. And then, uh, did um, you, uh, <laughs> I'm curious, did you write any of your own material or try to? Um, we, when a couple years later, I, we did, I did, the first song I wrote was called I Am a Cop. <laughs> and it was basically, <laughs> it was basically like about just about cops breaking up house parties. Like, you know, the song was just like in my mind, the only thing, you know, I had no worldview. And the only thing as like a white kid in the suburbs was that cops didn't like skateboarding and they don't like punk rock. And every house show I ever attended or played got broken up by cops. And that's all that's that's that was my why I did not like cops. That was it. You know, that was like very easy and simple and relatable to my own very, very non <laughs> major problems in my life. But I was like, that was the song. I am a cop. I'm yeah, gonna assume <laughs> again. I'm gonna assume again. But you probably wrote both the music and the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. We were like, uh, I think I might have written it from. I don't know if I wrote it from the from the drum set or if I kind of, you know, just fouled it out on the uh, on the guitar. I don't remember exactly how I did it. But we the band then was called Office Boy. And it was just like this little. <laughs> cool little like punk thing i don't know we we're That's super into, super into minor threat and like kind of faster whoa downbeat okay. downbeat stuff you know yep yep we're at the end of the first hour may 8 2021 edition Watt pedro show special guest timothy reeves hold tight for hour two may 8 2021 it's the second hour of the Watt pedro show
campaign. <laughs> Back to red like you So go and write a song about it I said I'll see what I can do Tonight the stars are my destination
Yeah. Walk from Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Sweet Sweet Cobra doing coats. Then we had Ben Salter from Tasmania, but this is him live in Japan doing the stars, my destination. Lucas Sabella after that with Dougie Yundies. La Cumbia del Zapatero from Chicha Libre. The Tomb of Love, Modern Blonde, Kalinich and Tivin, Outside and Finally Future Ghosts from Sweet Cobra. Okay, fill us in now. The time between Office Boy and Sweet Cobra. <laughs> yeah. it, you're a drummer man, right? Because Sweet Cobra yeah, is when you go definitely. over to the bass. Okay. Um, yeah, I had a band called, we had a band called Baxter that I was, uh, I joined. It was already, it already existed. Um, it was like, uh, uh, the dude that sings in, in the band Rise Against was the front, front man for that band. Um, and then we also extended that band kind of into this other thing that became the Killing Tree, which was like a little... I guess maybe a little more metallic version of the same kind of kind of stuff. You know, it would be in the vein of like, uh, I don't know, um, uh, hot water music or something like that. Like like something something loosely related to a campfire song, but like with like a heavier heavier edge to it, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's okay. It's some people. They just got, maybe I do it too. You got to like, I think it's because of the genre indoctrination. You got to like, oh, it sounds like these guys or those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like. But we're going to break free like, of that shit, right? So so Baxter for a while, and it ain't mm -hmm. your band, right? So you what, you end up joining somebody else's band or you start. Yeah, own? it was a band that already existed, but definitely like, you know, a band that would, would have been like super collaborative. It's not like. You know, you know, there's a leader, but like it's kind of more like a everyone's everyone's pitching in kind of thing. Um, it, you know, in those younger altruistic days of of uh, <laughs> where that's possible, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, and then you know we can the same kind of we we had the same little camp of dudes that kind of all just kept starting bands, and you know. It was all the same kind of incestual, everyone's in each other's bands kind of thing. And, yeah, but it's kind um, of, it's like a giant fucking classroom in a way, too. It's happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's, that was a beautiful thing about, you know, not, not to, not to do the walking to school uphill both ways bullshit, but like the, the, those days when there was a discernible sound of an area is based on that, you know, where you, you're not being informed by the internet and, 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 having access to every possible music imaginable, you're kind of informed by your best friend's band and sharing a rehearsal space with five bands and everyone's kind of accidentally or intentionally ripping each other off for, you know, nodding, nodding to each other Contaminating each other. Yeah. You know, there's a sound from every, like every, sure, it's, it's the know. fucking Petri dish, right? <laughs> exactly. And I, I, but that's I, a good I, you know, thing. I kind of miss that shit. Yeah, I don't right, want to sound right. like a, I understand. Uh, so, so what happens when Sweet Cobra ain't the first time you run an own, your own band, is it? Um, kind of. Oh, okay. Okay. Where I'm like, right. Still, yeah, I want to, like, I, 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 I mean, I definitely, with every band I was in, I always like, I did a lot of arranging for sure. And I would like kind of drop in 
help with like changes and and you know there was you know you know i definitely was uh contributing um melody wise you know whatever vocal pattern um you know meter all that stuff but like sweet cobra was you know i basically wrote the okay look timothy we're gonna get to that let me play yeah. soft 11 sure sure awesome
down to the river and the river was high What's the point of even trying to throw in a line The sun was going backwards, it was dinosaur time A pterodactyl flew over me Went down to the river and the river was low What's the point of putting in the boat and the oar Nowhere to get to, nowhere to go The sun dripped like a tangerine I chucked in some stones, I was not alone Everything was speaking to me I thought of Aunt Shirley, who left way too early And then the water started to sing Then the water started to sing Sleep time. 
Half a Pedro show. That chunky music started off with Sweet Cobra doing Soft 11. Dan Jones out of Kansas City. The demo of What a Way to Let It Ride. Psychic Hotline from their latest album. Call me. D-U-M-E out of Providence, Rhode Island. There's a one-man band. Deep Fake. Brother Alec. He's also got a, a group. An ensemble, I guess you called uh, Isaacs. Sigati after that, Tallem and uh, three guys from Florence Party. No, he's Tuscany, huh? Mm. That's yeah, because it wasn't Florence, <laughs> but it's that that region. Uh, Liberty versus freedom, and finally, Flight Risk from Sweet Cobra, which is a trip because the last Dume song I played was also called Flight Risk, and you know you can't copyright a song title, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, I, I a lot of times I name songs in it. Like if I come up with a band name that I uh, that I know I'm not ready to use yet, and then I'll just name a song after that band name. Uh, uh, look, that I, let's talk about this proj named Sweet Cobra. Let's talk about the whole right. proj. But did it yeah. actually start with a name, or did it start with you grabbing the bass? Um, it started with me grabbing a like a Guild guitar actually, and buying an orange amp and and doing like a Cro-Magnon tuning to make it easy on myself to like write songs and kind of like a drop D thing. Um, and I think in my mind, I did want to play guitar in that band, but then realized really quickly that like, uh, I did not have the dexterity to play guitar well and sing. And, uh, luckily found really good guitar players that would, that I could trick into being in my band with me. Um, so that I could play bass badly in the band. <laughs> uh, I okay. am the best bass player. So you, you had that, epi- have, you had that epiphany. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, does, I, the, then <laughs> does the name come? The name came in a weird way. Uh, my daughter had a, had a patch on her denim vest. She was one at the time. And it was a, a little Cobra patch. It was like some racing shit. And, uh, someone had written with a magic marker sweet over the top of it. Um, and that's how the, <laughs> the name came. Like, I, I, it's um, and tell me about the first sweet Cobra song you wrote. The first one was called, uh, torn knees. Um, I got terrible knees. I can relate torn. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I know about those knees, man. When we, when we interviewed you at electrical, <laughs> you told us all about the knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh you told us about riding the bicycle to get your get your knees healthy again oh yeah that helped yeah. me big time uh, uh, i also have has it too osgood slaughter when you're growing <laughs> up different parts grow at different speeds yeah yeah um it's more about like yeah i guess that song just, was just a song about like revenge and just fucking you know and you processing got- anger and and wrong and whatever but very pretty simple and you like wrote stuff, it on that you know. detuned uh, Guild guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of like chugging away, um, you know, single finger kind of stuff. And then putting it in the hands of better guitar players that make it sound less uh, less like regressive, I less think, like regrock. I think, it was, you know? uh, I think it was the Dirty Harry movies where I think the big quote is, a man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. And then you got, and then you got to, Get people, uh, you just got to 
convince people to you know who's make, great, you look, make you look better. You know, uh, yeah, look, and that also <laughs> takes a man of humility because other people will want to look big by putting midgets uh, metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically, I'm not talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's you know what I mean midgets. to look good. Right, right. Now, right. I'll tell you the greatest, what you're talking about, Timothy, in my opinion, the greatest example is Miles Davis. He knew he wasn't going to play as good as Diz, so he was going to get the best guys in his band. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, John Coltrane. Paul Chambers on bass. Oh, my God. Okay. First Sweet Cobra gig. Um, Fireside Bowl. Um, shit, man. I think we played with. Me, this band called Meat Jack from Rhode Island, I want to say, or out that way. Um, well, how'd it go? Is this your first time on bass in front of people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it went well. I mean, we had a friend that basically was like, I mean, the, it went the best it possibly could have. I mean, it really, because we had a close friend that was considering investing and starting a record label, and he, 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 uh, whether he's blowing smoke or whatever, he he decided to put our record out as his first thing, and you know there's not really a greater compliment um, than that. When you know, for me it's like it's like I have the I start with the inside joke of like best friends and I sharing something together, and then kind of like leave it at that. If other people are interested or care about it, then I'm elated, excited. Uh, and then from there, it's just it's all just bonus points. So, so the gig, but, the gig was kind of a, it, was it kind of a showcase for him? No, not at all. Like oh, we didn't oh. know. I don't think we knew that he was. Oh, okay. I think there was okay. there was a okay. small buzz about us being this band that was like dudes from like the hardcore punk scene that were doing something slightly different. Um, and the show went well. Um, and then you know he kind of was like, "Yo, like do you guys have enough material for a record? I want to do the record." And, and, and we're like, fuck yeah, dude, that's incredible. That's like, that's, you know, like that's, that's the way it should be. You know, what's his name? Uh, Scott. Hey Scott. Thanks so much. Yes. We're at the end of the end of the second hour, May 8, 2021 dish watch Peter show special guest, Timothy Remus. Hold tight for hour three. May 8, 2021 is the third hour of the watch from Peter show.
Watt for Pedro show started the third hour off a of sweet cobra doing cave and pale angels out of Wales with railway Tim Holhouse Judy from yeah I can't I gotta find out what part of England he's from because they fucked it up a couple shows ago sorry Tim yeah and they then, take it pretty personal yeah and then finally <laughs> now people this is first time you heard this progeny or band name cloakroom because it's all been sweet cobra regarding uh, timothy ramus and his you know jumping off the drum prod and now and this was called lost meaning well now we're going to learn about this bring it timothy yeah um so yeah i mean this is a band i joined a couple years ago um we uh i started off doing a lot of like live gigs with them as they're kind of like live guy uh, me and, uh, Jason from Sweet Cobra both kind of like tagged in and out of doing their, their touring. Uh, their drummer was not set up to, to be on the road a lot. Um, and, and then I, uh, eventually just kind of took over as the, um, full on drummer. Uh, we did a, we did that record that the songs you have are off of, at um matt talbot studio down in tolono illinois and i guess that was around christmas time of i don't know maybe i guess 19 it was right before covid i think so what it, that would be 19 into 20 um but yeah these are there are two awesome dudes from um michigan city northwest indiana 10 years younger than me really like just great dudes and great songwriters and you know just good midwestern boys uh and great people to play music with and collaborate with and uh yeah well i was just curious because you gave me a buttload of sweet cobra yeah so but, sweet but, cobra is like you know it's this like pride you got I, I understand that yeah it's, and then you gave me cloak thing, room, you know, and, but you didn't give me any office boy and you gave me no baxter <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean both of those so both cloakroom and sweet cobra are 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 dropping you know records and it's just like what's uh, what i'm excited about right now you know ah, like, okay okay this stuff's fresh to me and it's it's you know i'm proud of it um i i don't know yeah i'm just just moving forward i'm like that's what i want to i guess yeah it was, i guess it's what i'd want people to hear i didn't know like how that would all work as far as the way you run your show but i i just assumed the best for me and for anyone else would be like this stuff. That's the newest and the best versions of the things that I'm involved in, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, look and, uh, on the lot for Pedro show, the guest holds sway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know what I mean? Yeah. The I guess Watt both, for, both, those, for Pedro both those, all show, those songs, the lot for Pedro show, yeah. there's no hard questions and there are no wrong <laughs> answers. Uh, that's good. It's too early. It's even too early here for a hard question, even okay. though it's like three. I here. want to play some more cloakroom, a force awesome. and play. Nice. Thank you.
Bob from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. Cloakroom with the force of play. Now, Cloakroom, like you told me the, the bands where you were a drummer, man. Yeah. Now, they weren't your bands, but you, were, you weren't like your typical side mouse, right? You were involved with, like you said, even the way that the songs were sang. Right. Um, yeah, I think like... I think like Doyle, the the singer singer man, as you call it, uh, in in Cloakroom, uh, respects my you know approach to towards like you know placement of words and and you know he definitely like he he definitely looks to me as a reference when he's like shaping even that part of the song, um, and you know it was me stepping into some huge huge shoes like the the guy that that started that band with those guys is a monster player, like just a killer drummer. Um, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think in terms of like trying to put my stamp on it, but you have to know, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like pay tribute and, and do that work justice as well as move forward with these guys in a collaborative way. Well, well, um, can I ask you, did yeah. cloak room with Timothy Remus, Mm-hmm songs begin with the Timothy Rima or did you have to learn the other cats tunes? So yeah, I started out as like the road guy. Right, right, right. That's right. That's right. And I was like, it was, it was a challenge. I mean, he's like at first listen, like a lot of this stuff sounds kind of like it's this heavy, simple thing. And then you dig a little deeper and the, you know, Brian, the, the, the drummer who wrote the first records with those guys, he's, he's, uh, he's like a jazz guy that, that like, just kind of picks and, and chooses those like things and kind of inserts them into the music and you wouldn't notice it at first, but then it, but then listening to it as someone that's trying to learn it and, 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 and do it right. And you're like, Holy shit, this is like, this is like really masterfully crafted fucking drumming and like applied well. And you're like the pressure to do it right. Well, yeah, you know, I don't want to fuck with I can, I can relate to that. Right. Timothy, like basses like that. It, yeah. It's apparently simple, but it's nuanced like a motherfucker. And, right, and right. the reason it is, is because it's making the shit fit together. Right. It's bringing it, a grooving drummer. There's no better fucking ingredient you can put in a fucking tune stew. Yeah. <laughs> tune stew. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, like when I when I met you the first time, you were telling me that you uh, Iggy was making you play with a pick. Yeah, you know, was it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. It's like, well, yeah. Mike Watt is Mike Watt in the Stooges. Mike Watt plays a pick because Mike Watt accepts that the Stooges needs a bass player to play with a pick. You know what I mean? It's like, but, but when it came time to do the gigs, he says, "Mike, you can play these songs with your fingers." <laughs> so he's just fucking with you. <laughs> well, maybe a recording is like a, a right, moment right, right. in time where gigs. Yeah, totally. You know, or, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, yeah. And, but and, you told uh, me something actually, that day that that stuck with me, and he he was he wanted you to like even stand up straighter. When you yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like the idea yeah. of the physicality of yeah. like playing. Well, he how really that liked change. them outfits too. I mean, there was some other, <laughs> you know, because he right. thought it meant focus. Right. Exactly. And that's the way Ig is, man. When he runs a music thing, he wants focus, and I'm into that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm into I'm into like you know. Like all that, I, I think it, it all, you know, we we had a thing for a while where we were trying to really make sure we were in the same room together for like a little while before the gig. You know, you might be off talking to someone, doing a shot or whatever, but I was like, let's all be around each other for 
you know, 10, 15 minutes before we get on stage. Me and the Ashton and, brothers. You know brothers, what I mean? And, and Get this, me and the Ashton brothers, brothers, two hours before every gig. Two hours. Yeah, I mean, and, that's and what I And then with, with James Williamson, <laughs> me and Scotty would go in there and later Larry and do the entire set in his tail room. Just yeah. beating on the little pig nose. And, right. Look, 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 tell me, is there another yeah. Sweet Cobra record coming? So the stuff that we sent you is 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 going to be on the next is the next record. Is, okay, okay. That's coming up. That's stuff coming up. So is was this the first most time of, he- most of it except for Future Ghosts? Um, that's from a previous record called The Earth. So so was this the first time people got to hear? Yeah, yeah. Whoa! Thank you. I got the yeah. sweet Cobra no, debut. You, <laughs> <laughs> right. Wow, wow. Okay, so of course it's too early. I don't know. Once you get done, do you start thinking of making the next one? <laughs> oh, for sure. I think um, as much as thinking about making the next one, thinking about like the, the approach, like we kind of been kicking around this idea to do like a really quick like field to fork kind of thing where it's a little less involved, not quite like a live record. Yeah, live to like, two track. That's the, the B side yeah. of... Minutemen did that for B-side of Buzzer Howl under the influence of Heat. And, and, and the record ended up costing only $50. <laughs> right, yeah. So we, we have like a little, we have a little warehouse space and we're kind of trying to build out like a studio in it. And, you know, we're going to set some guidelines. Yeah, get another Petri you know. dish going, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, it's been a bit, when yeah. you do get the next thing done, let's come back on the show, play it and talk about it, okay? For sure, yeah, well, absolutely. Thanks for being on, truly. People, it's hey, been Thank uh, you. May 8, 2021, edition of Watt the Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.